Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Welcome to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rustita and Robert. I'm Rustita, and I am joined by my brother in the martial arts, Sifu Robert Deal, who happens to be on the road right now. How you doing, Sifu Bob? I'm good. I'm good. It's really light right now, and you know because of time change, it's it's pretty dark right about now down in LA. We got our uh, <laughs> our uh, rain blast this weekend. Uh, just a couple real quick ones. Not like not like you get. Sometimes I wish we would get the rain you got to, to uh, solve this drought we're having. Uh, yeah. I, this is a weird week, though. I got no funny stories to tell. It's just, it was really funny. Uh, and I almost commented on it, but I didn't want to get slapped. <laughs> you posted uh. this really cool picture yesterday of you holding a sword and looking like a zombie. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was me in the that morning. Really, really. That's exactly what I was going to say. Was wow, I've seen you in the morning, and it looks something like that. That's right. <laughs> that's me in the morning before my coffee. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that was uh, that was my Halloween uh, contribution to Facebook. So I hope that right. everyone out, I hope everyone out there had a great Halloween. Did you get? Did you guys get a lot of trick or treaters over there? No, you know we didn't even buy candy this year because. You know where my apartment is. We're stuffed way in the back. We got oh, yeah. nobody. Uh, Jenny went out for a little while. Uh, Brianna went to uh, dinner and movies and all. So, so it was it was pretty cool. There were a lot of people out though, because uh, I took a little drive just to, just to just to see, and there were a lot mm-hmm. of trick or treaters out. Uh, I'm really excited about tonight's show. Now, this is not typically your pet peeves, like you got a pet peeve against texting and walking in a crosswalk, or I got a pet peeve about people not pulling out into the intersection when the light's green and we're turning. Uh-huh. This is about martial arts pet peeves, which is going to be mm-hmm. quite interesting, especially if we get a lot of callers. Yeah, and speaking of which, I'd like to remind our callers about our show call-in number over here. It is, write this down, folks. Three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine, and after our first segment, um, so at around mm, six thirty or so, we're going to start taking calls. So if you're a martial artist and you have pet peeves about anything, just give us a call and you know, join the party and rant with us. It can be about anything. <laughs> it could be yeah. something as simple as it could be something as simple as like for example, I've got a simple one. One of my pet peeves are lightweight geese because the lapels kind of blouse open a lot because they're so flimsy. They don't stay crossed. <laughs> so that's my pet peeve. That's one of my pet peeves. Right. We're going to get into other ones a little bit later. So it's going to be fun. Oh, I, you um, know, did you see that email I got today from James Lou? No, I haven't yet. I was in class and had to rush home here to to get to the control board. But, uh, no, tell well, us about I, the email I been, from James Lou. I have been after him for over a year. 
have emailed him multiple times, talked to him on the phone, talked to him at Dragon's Best, finally got back to me. Now, James and I have been acquaintances for 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm starting to lose you, Bob. <laughs> I'm starting to lose you. Are you still there? Okay. Oh, I lost him again. We lost Bob. <laughs> well, this sucks considering that I'm really, really wondering what James Lou had to say on the email. <laughs> well, anyway, Bob, if you can still hear me, call back. <laughs> Anyhow, so listeners, three four six six seven seven zero six nine nine. So just uh, just to get a little more into tonight's subject after we do our um, first segment here, we're going to be talking about your pet peeves, martial artist pet peeves. If you have some, give us a call. If you don't want to give us a call and you're near a computer, um, hit the uh, hit the link that you might have found the show on uh, from Facebook. Hit the link. It'll take you to Blog Talk Radio, and it'll take you straight away to our show marquee. And down below our show marquee is a chat board. So you can go ahead and uh, write your pet peeves there, and we'll go ahead and introduce them. Um, I also have a thread on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page um, that you can write your uh, pet peeves there, and we'll go ahead and announce them. But, you know, it's a lot funner to call in. And we have Bob back, I think. Ah, Well, that, that was probably one of many times I may lose you because of where I'm driving, too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell us about uh, James Liu. Well, finally he got back to me. He's in New Orleans right now getting ready to wrap a movie. He's going to be back around the 8th of November, and mm-hmm. we're to keep in touch with him and schedule him in. Another one that okay. wants to be on the show is uh, Leo Fong. Oh, that would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Now That will be really yeah. cool. That would be cool. Now, for our listeners out there that might not be aware of these names, especially a lot of the younger martial artists out there, there are younger martial artists out there that might be listening that have no idea who James Liu or Leo Fong is. So if you could tell those listeners who they are, that'd be awesome. Well, James Liu is a master stunt stunt uh, person, stunt coordinator, stunt, stunt person. I've uh, been in the business about 40 years. He was on all of the A-team and... and all these rush hour, mm-hmm. movie after movie after movie. He was a stunt coordinator on the most recent one for the martial arts kid. And he's just a great guy. Been around for a really long time. And he used to shoot video for uh, Inside Kung Fu Magazine. He was actually rolling B camera. With somebody with oh. his talent, his ability, and his uh, stature was just amazing. Because back in the mm-hmm. 80s, there was only a couple Asian martial artists that would show up. There was uh, Jeff Amata, uh, mm-hmm. Al Young, uh, James Liu, uh, Toru Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there were only a few back then. And James was always typecast as a bad guy because he had, like, hair down below his shoulders. Yeah. So he's been around yeah, a long that. time, and, and now he's getting a lot of behind-the-camera work, but he's still in front of the camera. And this guy is just... He's, he's never going to stop working. He's probably going to drop dead in front of the camera. Yeah, that, yeah. He's he's a very dedicated individual, and yeah, he was typecast as a lot of bad guys in all the movies that I've seen him at on. He's always been a bad guy, you know, like always. 
Yeah, like an Asian gang member or you know, something like that. <laughs> right, right. Now and now once he cut his hair he started he started getting cast as cops. Yeah. <laughs> well he does. He makes a good cop with the with the haircut. With the haircut, right, and with the short with the long hair he made a good bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that isn't that weird how people get typecast based on, you know, previous exper- uh you know, experiences and stuff like that in previous roles. So right. That's, now, that's Leo Fong was actually a, a student of Yip Man and uh, met Bruce Lee in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And he was actually friends with Bruce Lee and has, I don't know if it's a book or a DVD interview or whatever, he, he just had come out that it's titled My Friendship with Bruce Lee. Oh, cool. So that that should be really cool. I'm looking forward to reading that. That's available through uh, Warner Entertainment and uh, Lee Lolio, which we met at uh, the Last Masters. He was actually down for the uh, uh, Long Beach Internationals. He's from Oxnard. He has some copies. He's selling as well, like a distributorship. That's awesome. So that's who they are, James Liu and Leo Fong. Old-timers, although I hate calling them old-timers because they're not that old, but they've been around a long time. I, I, you know, I tend to call like the 60s and the 70s kind of like the classical age um, before modern martial arts, and they were they were part of the classical age. Awesome. Well, what I'm yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's get moving on with the rest of the show. We're gonna go ahead and do birthdays, and since you're driving, I'll go ahead and read them off. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All right. So for this week. Uh, we've got Grandmaster Ron Liu, who is a very skilled Dose Pares practitioner down in California and is the founder of the Tibetan wave technique of bullwhip. His birthday is on the 2nd. Another Grandmaster of Dose Pares, Grandmaster Vincent Pombo from Australia. His birthday is on the 4th. And uh, my cousin... Actually, Gloria Estacio, her birthday is on the 6th. Also, another martial artist with a birthday on the 6th, Mr. David Bruce. Um, On November 7th, we've got um, a colleague and um, also a fellow Dose Pares and Filipino Martial Arts Academy practitioner, Mr. Matt Brain. His birthday is on November 7th. Um, Now we're going to backtrack again and go back to November 6th. Another birthday on November 6th is Grandmaster Christine Bannon-Rodriguez, who we had on the show with us last week. Was it last week? That was last week, right? Two weeks ago. Yeah, so we had Christine Bannon-Rodriguez on the show with us two weeks ago. Her birthday is on the 6th. And last but not least, Bridget Streb. Her birthday is on November 7th. And that's a friend of yours, right? That's a friend of mine and a a student of uh, Grandmaster Don Baird. Oh, awesome. Very cool. So for everybody having a birthday this week, this
everybody. Have a great birthday week. All right. Hey, that's always such an upbeat tune. I always love just kind of bouncing around in my chair whenever I hear Stevie Wonder. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> All right, there's uh, only a few announcements that I have here, and if you have any that you um, have off the top of your head, uh, we'll get to those. I've got one event that was submitted to us by Sensei Prince Loeffler, and this announcement is about the All Okinawa Karate Kobudo Championship. Woohoo! The All Okinawa Karate Kobudo Championship, um, an event for all traditional Okinawa Bugeiruha, and uh, this particular tournament um, is going to be featuring not only kata and kumite, but also kobudo, the art of weaponry. Now, this event is on November 8, 2014. Um, registration starts at 9 a.m. And, hey, Bob, I'm going to go ahead and mute your mic for just a sec, okay? Okay. Okay. Sorry about that, listeners. We were getting a little bit of feedback from uh, from Sifu Bob's mic. But again, um, the All Okinawa Karate Kobudo, uh, Kobudo Championship is on November 8th. Registration starts at 9 a.m. at the Rowley Park Gym. That's uh, R-O-W-L-E-Y, Rowley or Rowley. I don't know. Rowley Park Gym? Rowley Park Gym? I don't, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. But anyway, that is located at... One- 3220 South Van Ness Avenue in Gardena, California, 90249. And if you'd like more information about this particular tournament, just contact Maria Evans at 951-205-9618. Now, um, there's also going to be a special guest of honor, Sensei Jerry Figiane, uh, Figiani, sorry, <laughs> Eh, I'm all talking in like Japanese Japanese suffixes. But Jerry Figiane is an eighth don, and he's the president and founder of the Shorinru Karate Do International. He comes from a strong lineage of Matsubayashi Shorinru practitioners who have followed the footsteps of Soshin Nagamine, the founder of Matsubayashi Ryu Karate. So yeah, that sounds like a great tournament i mean it's 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 kind of rare to to see um uh, just all okinawan styles in bo- in both kata kumite and kobudo so that's that's going to be that's going to be kind of cool awesome so let's see i think that's it for announcements on my end bob do you have any announcements on your end right off the top of your head well there are there are a couple things happening uh, in the month of december We've got uh, Battle for Blood, Alan Woodman's tournament happening at uh, the Town and Country Hotel at Hotel Circle North. That is happening mm-hmm. on uh, December 13th and 14th. Now, the, mm-hmm. the tournament's going to run from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. But Sunday, they're having seminars all day with uh, Eric Lee and Doug Long, and a great martial artist. And uh, they're also having a dinner, sort of a, an awards banquet that night for the writers that have written books that have been published by Sidekick Publications. That same weekend, on the 13th, they're having a special media day at the Martial Arts History Museum for the unveiling of their anime wall. They're going to have the animators there, 
the media is going to be there, and it is going to be open to the public. And I think oh, that's cool. going to be like four to six, four to seven, something like that. Very cool. There you have it. There you go. So if anyone wants to check out the Battle for Blood, just go to the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page, and I'll post up the flyer over there sometime tonight before the show's over. Awesome. Oh, now, you know, I just happened to look on the calendar, and you know what I found out? Two things. My calendar Ah. does not have November and December on it. It's got January and February. It's got two pages of January and February 2014. I looked up at the I looked up at my calendar and I went what? I flipped it over and I'm like there's no November and December. This is this is bogus. <laughs> but the calendar also reminded me that hey, you know, we're getting close to our second year anniversary here on the Dynamic Dojo radio show. <laughs> now, what day yeah. was it where we first What day was it that we first aired? In Sunday? 2000. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. No, um, no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> November 11th, 2012 was our November, very first show. November 11th, 2012. Oh, by, the, by the way, listeners, it was a Sunday. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, we are going to have our second anniversary party show. Next Sunday, November 9th, so um, at 6 p.m. next Sunday, November 9th, if uh, any of our previous guests want to call in and kind of join the party, we're just going to reminisce about some of past shows and some news from throughout the year and uh, just have a blast. Rant, rave, it'll be it'll be an open forum. It'll be great. We'll talk about whatever. So it's BYOB. <laughs> so- so bring your own bottle to that event. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very cool. Um, any other news on your end there, Bob? No, nope, that was it. All right. Cool. Well, looks like we're into health news. <laughs> now, did you know, Sifu Bob, that there is such a thing called sleep drunkenness? You know, I you know, I did not know that. Sleep drunkenness and reportedly one in seven suffer from this sleep drunkenness. Now, what is it? Okay, well, let's let's backtrack here and I know this has happened to some of us before. Now, like have you ever like answered the phone in the morning? Right after waking up to discover it was actually your alarm clock going off or had a conversation in the middle of the night and woke up the next day with no recollection of it. I, I've been there. <laughs> in fact, I've, I've done that. Absolutely. I've done that. I've headbutted people and not remembered what was going on. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, that, and that that state of like confusion, like you know, like I'll wake up and and think it's like um, a different day. You know, or I'll get up and go, oh, my gosh, I got to get to work. This is when I was working in the corporate world and realize it was Sunday because I didn't know what was going on. I was just going on autopilot. Well, a new study suggests that you are not alone. Researchers found that many of us have had a similar experience in our lifetime. The study documented in the journal Neurology says that one in every seven people suffer from sleep drunkenness disorder, also called confusional arousal. 
And um, I'm going to mute your mic a little bit again here, Bob, for this. Sure. Um, so anyway, it's uh, it's confusional arousal, and uh, it's defined as when a person wakes up and remains in a confused state for a certain period of time before either going back to sleep or fully waking up and being conscious. Now, these episodes typically happen according to the National Institutes of Health. When someone is awakened during non-rapid eye movement sleep, which is a deeper sleep period, and they're usually triggered by a forced awakening like an alarm or a phone call. Um, or in my case, the, uh, the other day it was an Amber Alert, and I forgot to turn off the Amber Alert uh, notification on my phone, and I, I thought the house was on fire. <laughs> but anyway, um, the study authors had more than 19,000 adults, 19,000, fill out a survey about their sleeping habits. They found that 15.2% of the participants experienced one episode of confusional arousal during the past year. Dr. Maurice Ohayon, a leading study author and a sleep expert at Stanford University, was surprised by this substantial percentage. When he looked carefully, he says, he found over half of these participants have confusional arousal one time or more a week, and that's considerable. What's even more interesting, says Ohayon, is how long confusional arousal seems to last. While more than one-third of the participants who experienced episodes once a week reported that they lasted under five minutes, 32.3% of people said their episodes lasted 15 minutes. And a whopping 30% of people experienced episodes lasting 15 minutes or more. Oh, my gosh, 15 minutes of being confused like that? that that's got to be weird. Now, if someone is experiencing these episodes, they need to let their doctors know. An episode can cause violent behavior during sleep, according to this study. Also, the study found that 84% of those with sleep drunkenness disorder also had another sleep disorder, a mental health disorder, or taking psychotropic drugs such as antidepressants. So those things also contributed to these episodes of uh, confusional arousal. Less than 1% of the people, however, with sleep drunkenness had no known cause or related condition. So there you go. Sleep drunkenness. <laughs> kind of weird, huh, Sifu Bob? Are you there, Bob? <laughs> Are you there? Can you hear me? I think we lost Bob. So, <laughs> can't hear you, buddy. But if you can hear me and we drop you, go ahead and call back if we drop you. All right. Um, oh, can you hear me now? I, I can't. You know, you mentioned something very funny to me. What's that? Confused. Oh, oh, what? <laughs> you are, you, you're out. <laughs> I heard confused and you're out. <laughs> I bet this is going to be a joke. So when you come back on, <laughs> when you get out from under that tunnel, I can't wait to hear this joke. So... <laughs> I want to remind our listeners while Sifu, while we get Sifu Bob back on the line and his calls are out and he will call back. But I want to remind our listeners um, out there of our phone number. It's 347-677-699. And, you know, you want to press 1 
to talk to us, okay? Otherwise, if we'll see your number here on our, on our call board, but if you don't press 1 and put yourself in the caller queue, we will just assume that you are listening to the show because that's how some people listen to our show. They'll just call in um, if they're not um, near a computer, um, so please press one if you want to talk to us, you know, don't think that we're ignoring you and just hang up, um, press one at any time during the call if you want to talk to us. All right. Speaking of wanting to talk to us, looks like Sifu Bob is back on the line. <laughs> did, 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 did I waste a joke? Did my call drop? Yeah, you, your call dropped that, you know, you said something about confusion and you were gone. <laughs> oh my God, that sucks. No, that sucks. I, I thought it was funny that. You were talking about confu- uh, confusional arousal because at my age, every time I'm, I'm aroused, I get confused. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> I, I knew you were. That's awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of uh, confusional arousal and weirdness, let's move on to... Weird news. Weird news. Okay. This is from Prattville, Alabama. And every time I say Alabama, I want to draw it. I don't know why. <laughs> I had to keep myself from drawing it out there. Alabama. <laughs> but anyway, check check this out. This was this was all over Facebook a few days ago. A man's own dog helps police bust him on a drug charge. <laughs> now, police in central Alabama say a man's own dog helped officers bust him on a drug charge. No, okay. <laughs> Prattville police spokeswoman Paula Barlow says the pooch named Bo followed his fleeing master who was being pursued by officers. When the dog stopped and wagged his tail in tall grass, she says, the officers found and arrested Edwin Henderson. So the dog's tail was like a little flag that said, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Barlow says the chase began when two drug officers arrived Wednesday with a search warrant, and Henderson took off booking. He just took off into the fields and just started running. After an investigator pointed at Henderson and told the dog, go get him, that's what Bo did. Barlow says Henderson is charged with failure to obey police, manufacturing a controlled substance, and possession of drug paraphernalia. It's unclear if he has an attorney, and there's no word on who is taking care of his pooch, Bo. Well, good boy, Bo. <laughs> In a way, good boy, because we're you know we're getting a, a drug druggy off of the street but on the other hand it's sad for Bo because who's taking care of the pup so yeah that's, that's, I know that kind of sucks well anyhow let's move on to entertainment news <laughs> now you don't hear much about Bruce Jenner these days but uh, I mean I think the last time I heard about Bruce Jenner was like when he was doing uh, Wheaties commercials <laughs> That was like in the 80s, late 90s. But anyway, Bruce Jenner, the Olympic athlete, has been taunted where he golfs every day by a few jerks who think Bruce's new look doesn't belong on the links or in the locker room. So he's being he's being harassed by a bunch of elitist freaks. 
<laughs> now, sources connected with Bruce tell TMZ almost everyone who golfs with Bruce at his country club in Thousand Oaks has been gracious, but several people are acting like 14-year-old punks. Oh, boys, sorry. <laughs> I see 14-year-old and I just kind of want to say punks. Um, in one case, in one case, a golfer passed Bruce on the green and shouted, how's your dick? Suggesting it might not be there much longer. What, I mean, what What does that have to do with anything? Now, what? Bruce was, I don't know. Bruce was cool. He laughed it off and responded by pointing to his crotch and saying, it's right here, but it hasn't worked in 20 years. I have no idea what that's all about, really. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but anyway, another guy heckled Bruce in the locker locker room, mocking his ombre hairstyle and threatening to cut it off. Now, I had no idea what an ombre ha- hairstyle was, so I had to look it up. It's a two-toned hairstyle where it's a different color down by the lower half of your hair. I don't know. I guess it's a thing nowadays. I, did you know it was a thing? I've never noticed it. I had no idea. I had no idea. In, in fact, I no guess clue. it. it if it does, if it is a big thing, then um, I'm guessing it's probably more of a woman's hairstyle, and that women probably do it um, in a subtle enough way to where it's noticeable, looks nice, but it's not like, you know, blue and purple or pink and green or something like that. You know what I mean? So, anyhow, Bruce still goes to the club religiously, and most people treat him warmly and with respect. Now, as for the two idiots. It's 2014, and people have a right to live their lives the way they want as long as they don't hurt anyone. And anyway, probably Bruce can kick their asses in golf anyway, so there you go. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Oh, bullies. That's that's always something that's always something that gets my goat. That's one of my irks, and I'm probably going to talk about that later. Now, it looks like we dropped Bob again. I was wondering why it got really quiet. <laughs> so I just want to remind our listeners, our phone number is 347 It's pet peeves of martial artists night tonight, folks. So call call us with your pet peeves or on uh, on any of the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page um, marquees where we have uh, the announcement about tonight's show. You can write your pet peeves there. On that marquee, also on my personal Facebook page, Restita de Jesus, um, the latest announcement of tonight's show is up there on my timeline. So just go ahead and write some of your pet peeves there, and we'll go ahead and announce them. And Robert's back. But I'm going to keep his mic muted for right now. Let's go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to get started with our list of martial arts pet peeves. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. Hey, MMA fighter Jason Mayhem Miller here. School bullying and cyberbullying statistics are increasingly viewed as an important contributor to youth violence, including homicide and suicide. Let's kick bullying together. Go to we'rekickingit.com. This is Annie Lennox of Eurythmics for RAD. Please don't drink and drive. And don't drive if someone else has been drinking. Thank you. Would I lie to you? 
public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is Guru Rocky Twitchell of Citrus Heights, California, and you are listening to the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show. Vikings. We come from different places. Uptown. Downtown. We come to different conclusions. Half empty. Half full. But when we live united, we make a real difference in the building blocks of life. Children succeed in school. Families gain financial stability. The health of our neighbors improves, and suddenly so do our communities. Real change won't happen without you. Live United. So give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Sign up today at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo show. With Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Well, welcome back, folks. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. And it is Pet Eves of Martial Artists Night here at the Dojo. So give us a call, 347 677 if you want to just spout off, get it off your chest. Any of the pet peeves that you might have about martial arts or martial arts in general, martial artists in general. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and start and hopefully this will get the ball rolling. So, give us a call out there listeners. I'd really love to hear from you. It's your chance to spout off and get it off your chest. Okay. I'll start. This is one of my biggest pet peeves, Bob. Is when yeah. people mis when people mispronounce martial arts terms. <laughs> like okay, like for example, I mean it's one thing when people say karate. I mean you know it's been said so many times in here in uh, you know in the United States karate 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 that you know it's almost like a uh, it's almost normal, um, and most people that do study karate quote unquote already know that you pronounce it karate right. Um, they just say it karate, right? But uh, but people that actually try to correct you and say that it's karate, like one time, <laughs> one time I was at a party. This was many years ago. Um, they uh, someone asked me what I did, and I said, "Oh, I, I study butokukan karate, and I do kajukemo." They're like, "Oh, you mean karate?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I guess karate." <laughs> so that it drives me up the wall. But other things that drive me up the wall, um, like um, I saw this on YouTube. This guy was uh, was describing the um, the short sword or the dagger, the short dagger that uh, Japanese martial arts use, right? And he called it a tanto. And I'm like, what the hell's a tanto? Oh, you mean tanto? <laughs> I'm like, what's a tanto? Um, and it was like the same guy that called a Japanese sword um, a katana. <laughs> oh, my like, God. I really? know. Katana. 
I, I would with the sh- with the short dagger. I, I would have been saying, you know, a Lone Ranger's buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tonto. Yeah, katana. Oh, and this gets me, especially nowadays. This gets me, especially, you know, with uh, within the MMA and even the BJJ um, uh, people. When people say something like Kisa Gatami, Kisa Gatami, what? <laughs> Kesa Gatame. <laughs> Kesa. Kesa Gatame. Oh my God. You know <laughs> Japanese is not that hard, folks. It's it, it it's pretty it's pretty much, you know, say the you know, say the syllables. <laughs> Come on, folks. <laughs> oh and, and, and Dan. You know, like oh he's a seventh Dan. <sighs> it's not a name. <laughs> Grade Don, folks, Don. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna learn a martial art, learn the pronunciation. That's 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 all I gotta say about that. Just learn how to say stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> how about you? How about you, Bob? What's one of your What's one of your pet peeves? You know, it was funny. Uh, Michael Matsuda was talking. He was giving a private tour yesterday at the museum when I was there, and. Mm-hmm. He was saying how there is no policing martial arts schools, meaning you don't even have to study. You go in, you slip on a black belt, and you can call yourself an instructor mm-hmm. because there is no policing. Now, I just wish that martial artists, not all because a lot of good martial artists, I just wish they'd be honest with their ability what they teach, who they studied from. If you stu- if you teach Wing Chun, don't claim to teach Jeet Kune Do. You've never studied right. it before. And and there's a guy maybe 100 yards from my house that does exactly that and has Bruce Lee as his logo. Oh, man. Right? Uh, you know, just be honest. You know, if, if you're, if you're uh, a, a sensei, call yourself a sensei. If you right. start your own organization, your uh, Hapkido and Taekwondo, great. Just tell it like it is. If you mm-hmm. start your own system, let's say Seventh Day Adventist Fighting Arts, don't mm-hmm. call yourself Soki. You're not really a Soki if you're if you're practicing the same arts. Right. You know, I mean, and th- that is my biggest pet peeve because people with egos pump themselves up to a different rank, different level. Different title. I mean, you heard Bill Wallace when he was on. When he mm-hmm. when he was coming up, there was one term, sensei. There was no grandmaster. Yeah. There was no master term. Uh, you know, even in the Chinese martial arts, it's okay. You know, your sifu, your sigong, that's okay. Yeah. You're those titles, uh, but just don't go above and beyond. <laughs> I'm exactly. sorry. Exactly. Don't promote exactly. yourself as Don. Don't claim that the Korean government promoted you and you're a white kid and you're 25 <laughs> years old. That's not going to happen, ever. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, when 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 I don't want to make it sound like me and me and Bob are like old as dirt, but whenever I say whenever I say stuff like, well, back when we were coming up, it makes it sound like we are old and dirt, older than dirt. I know, but, I know. Uh, but we, when we were coming up, and and many of our friends out there were coming up, the term soke meant 
the founder of your style. And it was kind of an unwritten rule that, that your style had to be at least 30 years old, right? <laughs> you know, it was kind of that, that unwritten rule back then, right? Um, like, right. you know, when I was coming up, there was one Soke, Soke Yuichi Nakachi, and he was the founder of Botokukan. And that's going to be a completely different uh, different show to folks about what makes a grandmaster, <laughs> because I'd really like to I'd really like to get into that too, because there are there are ways to to become a grandmaster legitimately without putting in the years, and then there are ways to become a grandmaster illegitimately without putting in the years. So you know, I'd, I'd I'd like to get people's take on that also. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but now you've got anyone that's probably thirty years old that calls themselves soke because they made up their own system and have at least one person underneath them studying it right and they call themselves soke and they figured well you know once i have this student i'm just going to go ahead and promote myself to ninth degree what and 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 your student your one student is not even a black belt yet i mean come on you know (laughs) right that's that's one of my pet peeves too there bob but oh my gosh um i do want to um mention um another pet peeve here these were given by uh, one of our listener listeners Michaela Kimo Armstrong he uh he writes one of my pet peeves is people wearing their gi belt and all public it just screams look at me <laughs> Now, I can under I've seen kids do that a lot. You know, like kids that are under eight years old. You know, uh, wearing it in public, like they're getting on the bus with their parent to go to karate class, or they're coming out of car and running down the sidewalk to go to their dojo or whatever. You know, I get that. They probably dressed at home, you know, or they dressed in the car right after school. I get that. You know, they're in public. You know, I even see. You know, kids, you know, going to restaurants in their taekwondo dough box or their karate gis or what have you. Uh, but for the most part, you know, what I've noticed is that all the kids take their belt off and they wear something over it. Like they'll take their gi top off um, and put a sweatshirt on or they'll put a coat over their gi. So that way it doesn't scream, hey, look at me, I do karate, right? But, you know, I've I've also seen adults waiting at bus stops with their belt on and everything. And it it just looks ridiculous. Have you seen those people down in your neck of the woods? Mostly kids. I really haven't seen any adults do it. But, yeah, you're right. The kids, absolutely. On the way to class, waiting for the bus, on the bus, yeah. 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 There have been a few people that I've seen waiting for the bus in downtown Seattle, uh, just wearing their taekwondo uniforms and, you know, their black belt. And I'm like, really? Really? You really couldn't just tuck in that shirt inside your gi bottoms and put a coat on? You really got to wear that black belt. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Must be a new black belt. (laughs) 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 Got to show it off. Look at me. I'm a black belt. Um, Now, another listener, um, uh, a fellow Tai Chi instructor here in the Seattle Puget Sound area, uh, Laoshir Kalen Storm, his prime beef is with people who have never even attended a Tai Chi class in their entire lives telling him what Tai Chi is all about. 
Yeah. Yep. I, I hear you there, Sifu Storm. You know, I, I, I hear you. I get that all the time too. I get um I get people that um like <laughs> a few years back I got this guy that came into my studio and he said that he was interested in Tai Chi. And I proceeded to tell him about Yang style and Chen style Tai Chi that I that I teach at my studio. And this guy said, Well, you know, I'm looking for the fighting style of Tai Chi, not the yoga style. And he proceeded to lecture me on what Tai Chi really is and, you know, and that it's all about Qui Gong and, 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 you know, and I'm thinking, what the hell? What, what, what? I don't said, excuse me. He's like Qui Gong, you know, any teacher that doesn't know what Qui Gong is, you know, shouldn't be teaching. And that, that's exactly what he said. And he asked me, how long wow. have you been teaching? How long have you been teaching Tai Chi? And I said, how long have you been teaching Tai Chi? Because it's Qi Gong. That's the proper Chinese term for it, and I've been teaching for 15 years. I'm still still considering myself a newbie teacher, and I only lecture people when they're in my class. What class do you teach? And, <laughs> and he just kind of went, uh, 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 Qui-Gong? What the hell is Qui-Gong? <laughs> I know. qui <laughs> I was, I was like, what? <laughs> Qui Gong, oh my gosh, you know, and 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 he's probably you know only seen the stuff on TV, you know, probably only like listen to YouTube, um, YouTube videos, and tried to learn from that, and oh my gosh, it just no. Absolutely not. But <laughs> anyway, um, one of our other listeners, Bobby Edmonds, um, um, he says, oh, count me in on this one. I'm packing a list. Um, so, Bobby, Bobby, if you're listening, call, call. me, 347-677-0699, or just start typing. Start typing in that same, that same thread that we started a, a few days ago, bro. Okay, but... Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, one of um, one of Bobby's uh, beefs that he actually wrote down was people that say, well, in our system, we do the real insert technique style lineage here. So, like, we do the real Wing Chun. We do the real Jeet Kune Do. Or at my school, we do the real C-Lot <laughs> or whatever, right? It's like, really? Right. Uh, you, you know, if their school is doing the real kung fu, then there are like twenty other schools that are doing the the real kung fu. Are you guys all related? <laughs> that's what I want to tell. That's what I want to tell those people. Are you guys all related? Because that school down the road says they do the real kung fu also. So I, I hate that. And another one from Bobby. Um, is uh, any variation of the no true Scotsman phrase, quote-unquote, like, for example, no real samurai would ever do this or this or that, or no real escrimador would ever do this or this or that or the other, or no real warrior would have to fold their own clothes or whatever, right? <laughs> so, right. Yeah, and uh, let's not forget... And this uh, this is from uh, Kaylin Storm. Let's not forget the ever famous. Yes, 
That's true, but we do it differently in our school, implying that theirs is the correct and only way of doing whatever it is they do. So, yeah, it's, come on, folks. Martial arts is supposed to be different. That's why it's called art. <laughs> it's not called the Martial, Martial Prime Directive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So... What's another one of your pet peeves there, Bob? Oh, God, where do I start? You know, I had all these stuff written down, of course. And, and you know, I got here to the hospital, dropped the girls off. Uh-huh. And it's 30, 30 degrees colder up here. Oh, wow. And the, and the girls did. I was going, it's cold, it's cold. Ah, no kidding. Uh, what does cold you know, mean, like 55 degrees? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's 51 and with a wind, oh. with a cold wind, with a cold wind. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's sweaty. Still not cold enough to be whining about, you know. Yeah, uh, I know, right? No, I and I I do have a pet peeve about what you were saying about my art's better than yours. We do it this way; it's better this way. You know, I have learned the first form of Sulam Tao, or the first form of Wing Chun Sulam Tao, five different ways. Mm-hmm. It's almost identical, except there are some nuances. Yeah. There is no better course. There are people that Dan has studied with that had right to his shoes, but they had something to show him. Mm-hmm. Open your mind, close your mouth. Right. And everything Open the mind, close your mouth. Yep. It's like when Jeff Smith, I, I, now this is showing my age, too, because I said, and I don't know if you had them up there, but there was a commercial back in the day where it was called E.F. Hutton. Oh, and yeah, the, yeah, the I remember thing, those commercials. You remember that? And that was how, how about Jeff Smith. When he mm-hmm. started talking, listen, because he yeah, was right. there. He, You know, uh, and you, you you know when to listen. It's like the old Kenny Rogers song. You know when to fold them, you know when to hold them. You know when yeah. to speak, you know when to listen. I saw something the other day that was actually quite funny. It said... Uh, a quiet man is a thinking man. A quiet woman is usually mad. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's only because we're trying to figure out different ways to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. absolutely true. <laughs> that's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> it, and it's true. It's like, you know, to reiterate a little bit more and to flesh out a little bit more on the my style is better than your style. You know, like I said earlier, that's why it's called art. The nuances are what makes it art. Each teacher has their own way of doing things, right? You know, like, you know, in my first karate style, Botokukan, um, you know, the way that we did kata here in the Seattle, the greater Seattle area, was a little bit different than how they did it over the water in Bremerton and Port Orchard and Shelton, mainly because of the main influence that we had um, on this side, right? Our main influence was Sensei Robert Long over here in the Seattle side, and over on the other side was uh, Soke Robert Hill, um, and we had these uh, these uh, different influences, and um, Sensei Robert Long, he really brought out the creativity of people. He would watch people do kata and say, hey, you know what? You're really good with that particular movement. Let's bring it out a little bit. Let's make it you, right? And so that way I did like a kata like maybe 
you know, Pinyon Godon a little bit different than my classmate Dennis, who did it a little differently than our classmate Mecca, who did it different than than Ray, that did it different than Daryl. That you know what I mean? That did, and we all did it different than our own sensei. And uh, that's what we thought was really cool. And then you know, we go to tournaments and see all of our buddies over across the water, and their karate is completely was completely different. Um, than ours their their techniques look very sharp very like they'll they'll bowl you over you know they'll 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 hit you hard and they were sharp and just right on and that you know we it wasn't that we weren't it was that we we expressed power a little bit differently um and um because of the differences the, the differences started to get like too you know too overwhelming and that's um where thank goodness Soke Hill came in and um, decided to uh, make everything the same. You know, every kata had to be done this mandatory way um, to keep the tradition in the art, right? And then our own practice would be able to em- embellish on it and stuff like that. But if you're going to compete with it and if you're going to teach it, it will be this way, n- no if, buts, or what. And, you know, I do, I do. Um, applaud that. However, you know, Soke Hill has nothing against personal interpretation. That's what makes it an art. And I, I just think people just need to chill out, calm their britches, and just shut up and train. <laughs> oh my well, God. Do you find that with that uh, being said, do you uh, uh, find done your other art as well between? Tai Chi and those bars and oh, do, do, do I you, find have that you modified of... it to well, have you modified it to fit yourself to fit your own expression? Well, you know, I I wouldn't say that I modify it. You know, I I learned a form and I tried to do it the way I was taught and the way that I was corrected. Because you know, like for example, let's take Tai Chi. Right, Master Hong spent a lot of time with me because I came from a hard style system and she spent a lot of time with me trying to get my body to fit tai chi principles right because i was square i was square and linear and hard and angular and yelled and you know <laughs> i was yeah. i was, was kajikembo karate to the core and master hong called me square she said you are so square I will round you out and it will help your other martial arts. Believe me, it won't take anything away from it. And, you know, I, I was 30 and, and, you know, still young enough to be able to like, you know, to be able to like, you know, take care of my own at tournaments and still full of piss and vinegar. And I thought, how can you be round and do Tai Chi and still be powerful? I still didn't get that you know, back then. But, you know, every day Master Hong worked with me and she that she made me realize that power wasn't necessarily how you showed it. It didn't necessarily have to look sharp and angular and tough and fast and stuff like that. Um, but it was how you how you used your body mechanics, right? And um and it's true. It, it is how you you use your body mechanics, and and I'm a firm believer in that. Um, the flavor of any particular martial art is based on that art, and the students will will express the flavor a little bit differently. In my case, karate was 
Uh, Butokukan karate was powerful, but it wasn't lumbersome. You know, it was it was uh, still very fluid because it has Wing Chun elements in it because of Soke Hill and his experience. So it had to be a little softer and more flowing. Um, but I don't consider myself as modifying the forms themselves to fit my body. What I'm doing personally is I'm allowing my students to modify how they perform the movements, but still keeping within the standards of the principle. Does that make sense? So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I guess the term "modify" was not really a a good word to use. Uh, just to, to, to not to, and not to change. You just do things differently to fit your own body type. Uh, yeah. But I noticed watching you do your Tai Chi forms and you do a higher level Tai Chi forms. There's a lot more that come into it when you open your mind. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, part, part of this pet peeve because you, you had power, you had t- breaking timing, you had different things that may not have been in the first form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the first you form. More, more combative as you went along. Yeah, exactly. The the first form was primarily in Chen style. I'm talking about Chen style. Um, the first form was meant to to practice the basics, and it only has very few power movements in it. You know, hence the you only see breaking time maybe like four times, five times, as opposed to like twenty <laughs> in the right, right. twenty in some of the other forms, or even throughout the whole form, which is the uh, the second form. the The whole second form, you look at it and you would think, oh my god, that's kung fu, uh, but it's actually tai chi. Um, because you have to go through that, that mechanical beginner's phase before you understand the second form. And it's like that in any martial art. I'm sure you'd agree, right? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. You have to go through those stages. In fact, you know, one of one of my teachers, Sifu Terry Faircloth, he taught uh, so that, you know, there's three stages to learning. So some some systems will tout that there's four or five, but I learned it as three. There's mechanical, technical, and then there's spontaneous. You have to go through the mechanical lumbering along, you know, in my case being square and and heavy and just looking just crap when it comes to Tai Chi, right? I just look crappy. Um and then once you begin to get it, then you go into the technical phase which is where, okay, I get it. Now I have to work on applying this so that way it's natural for my body now um, and to master these principles. And then spontaneous is you do it without ever having to think about it, right? Um, and we all have to go through that, and that's part of the art. And for anyone to how say many, our how way How many times did you get whacked by Master Han, though? By the helper stick? <laughs> yeah, by the helper stick. How many times did you get whacked? I got I got whacked a lot, and if it wasn't whacked, it was the look. I would get the look, or the she would have this this way that she would uh, uh, cluck her tongue like like that, you know. She oh, would go yeah. rusty, and that disappointed uh, that disappointed tone of her voice, rusty. And then she, you know, that sounds like oh, I'm gonna walk over there. And I'm going to correct you. <laughs> she had like, there were like 10 different tones of her voice and each one meant something different. <laughs> and, and, uh, and and you learned the code if you studied with her for a while. It was like, wow, that really sucks. Practice more. And then there was another one that went, Rusty, wow, you, you, that's not it. You know, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? 
Um, right. That they were just <laughs> um, and uh, so we either got the helper stick or her foot would would sweep out our our, our one of our wrong foot to put it in the right place. And most of the time, though, she would sweep so hard I'd end up on my face. Um, and she's like, "See, no center." <laughs> I know, right? You know, but you know, it, it's those things. It's the old school training that I wanted from her was what is how I learn. I have to learn through physical experience. You know, if I get smashed in the head because I didn't put an arm up, well, guess what? I'm going to put an arm up when in that situation. You know, That's it's, how. I'm but why do you say that? Because Michael was on his private tour yesterday at the museum. It was talking about if if they taught today like they did in the old school, they'd go to jail. Yeah. Yeah, people would sue a martial arts school if you if you taught the way that they did in Asia and the in the Southeast Asia and, and even in Western martial arts and in, in European and Western martial arts, you know I've got friends that do um, historical classical uh, fencing and and stuff like that and you know sorry Steph sorry Cecil I don't remember how you guys prefer to have it called historical classical I don't know <laughs> I have no idea how you guys want it called. But, you know, if people, you know, go to a fencing school and they get whacked on the hand for doing something wrong or, you know, you get like, you know, tapped on the face mask or thrust really hard, you know, people would go, well, that wasn't very nice. They would start whining about it, you know, depending on the on the personality that's uh, going to that school. But that's how they did it in Europe. That's how they did it in the Philippines. That's how they did it in Spain. You know, heck, back then you didn't even have face masks. Right. <laughs> you know, if you wore a scar on your cheek, it was because either A, you, you almost lost in a duel, or B, you were a tough student <laughs> to teach. So, you know, and, and you would. You would get sued nowadays. I mean, but that's how I learned. I You know, when, it's funny. It's a funny story. When Master Hong asked, us, we had five people in the class um, before three of them quit. Um, he asked, they, she asked us, how do you want to be taught? Do you want to be taught American way or the way I was taught? And we said, oh, well, yeah. We rubbed our hands together. We're like, well, we want to be taught your way. And she said, okay, <laughs> but you have to okay. trust everything I now, say and you have to do everything I do. Okay. <laughs> now, I, I do want to tell the listeners right now, because this has never come up before, obviously Rusty has brain damage. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had <laughs> brain damage. Just to <laughs> say, yes, we want to be trained the old school Chinese way. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, well, I was brain damaged then. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, and, you know, and most people, and I understand why some people quit. I do. You know, I, I do. Um, and if I, you know, if I had not taken Kajikembo, One Hopkindo, Chan Fa classes, I probably would have quit too. You know, I would have gotten into Wushu and said, oh, this is cool. And quit like a month in because it was too hard. But, um, my God, Kajikembo will beat the toughness into you. It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, and you, you know, the, those two years that I, uh, two, almost three years that I um, had with Sifu Hong every day, six days a week, well, it used to be seven days a week. Um, it was actually harder than Kajikembo training. I never puked so much. I never, like, pulled things so much. I never was so sore for three years in all my life. 
straight. I was like sore for that whole period. Um, and I thought, what am I doing to myself? I paid her wreck my body <laughs> for this. Um, but, you know, as uh, as she said, you have to learn to eat bitter to taste sweet. And and it worked, you know. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, old school. That's that's you know that's how we trained and you know and and but that's not to say listeners that it's the only way you know so i'm not going to sit here and say my way of training is the only way because it'll it'll make it tough mentally and bob isn't going to say you know i I trained in kung chong do and that 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 shit will put you on your ass and that's tough and that's the only way you know we're not going to say that because every i had something to say real quick though rusty and before i forget there okay. is a school that just opened up in Burbank, and I want to approach this guy about being on the show because mm-hmm. it's a Hungar school. Oh, cool. When was the last time, I mean, Seattle is a little different than L.A., but you just don't see Hungar schools. No, there's there's only one. And No, I take that. Yeah, there is only one in the Seattle area, and it's been here forever. Um, or Choi Le Fat. You don't see very many Choi, yeah. uh, Choi Le Fat schools, and there are only two in, in Chinatown over here. And you have to, you know, wherever you are, you you, you got to travel if you want to study, like, you know, old school Choi Le Fat and old school Hungar. And that's great to hear that there's one out there in Burbank. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's, let's get them on the show. Yeah, I ran across it the other day. I'm like, does that really say Hungar? And I had to circle the block. That's I was cool. like in, in shock because you go to San Francisco, it's a whole other ball game. You're yeah. going to see, you know, Doc Fai Wong's guys and and other Hungar schools and praying mats. You're going to see the whole gambit out there, but it's different in Seattle and L.A. Mhm. Mhm. Now, did do you guys get like um, like different pockets of martial arts? Like over here, we've got pockets of Taekwondo because you know you're going into like little Korea. In North Seattle, there's like it's all Korean, everything, restaurants, every you know everything, everything owned in that little area town is owned by Koreans. You know, every street corner has a Taekwondo school. You know, is there anything like that over there in Burbank? Oh yeah, there's uh well of course we got L.A. Chinatown that you visited. Not too far from mm-hmm. that, we've got Koreatown, uh, little Tokyo. So we've got Japanese, Chinese. We've even got a Filipino town over here. Oh, very cool. That is cool. <laughs> we should go check that out next time I'm out there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, down here it's sort of like uh, they're almost boroughs like back in uh, New York. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd love to go through there. That'd be that'd be kind of cool. That's where you find the Filipino restaurants, man. <laughs> exactly. So so this school, this yeah. went from from uh, pet peeves to rant raven rant. <laughs> Yeah, it has. <laughs> we got a little off subject there, but we were just reiterating on, you know, there is no one way of doing things. Because it, it, it really saddens me to see the politics, even between factions of the same style, right? Because people are saying, well, we do it the real way that Soke wanted us to do it. You guys suck. And, you know, and it. why does it have to be that way? And today on the radio, I heard the the coolest way of describing what politics is in um, in anything. It doesn't have to be like politicians and government type stuff. Um, this guy said that um, politics will happen whenever you have organizations because organizations will, will no doubtedly to factions. 
And when the factions lose sight of the common vision, that's when the politics happen. So, you know, think about that, folks. You know, if if you're in a style that has a lot of infighting within different branches of your style, think about it. Does every branch share the same vision that the founder originally had? Or does every faction have their own specific own take on the founder's vision and they're doing it themselves and they don't agree with anybody else's. Wow, That's something that to think is about. Another pet peeve of mine is we have all this infighting within the Jeet Kundo family when it started with this crap about uh, Jeet Kundo concepts. And mm-hmm. I was talking to Bud Thompson, which was an old Jeet Kundo guy, and I said, you know, I studied Jeet Kundo, and, and he's like, you mean concepts? No, a concept's an idea. Jeet Kune Do was an actual art form. There's mm-hmm. a big difference. Even Ted Lu Kai Lu Kai hated that, and he was around when it started. Wow. So he hated the concepts part or the JKD term? The, no, the concepts, because he was oh. JKD through and through. See, he, right. and, and he might have studied Jeet Kune Do under Dan, under Guru Dan, uh-huh. but as colleagues, mm-hmm. they, they were, as colleague practitioners, they were equal. They would mm-hmm. go to Johnny Lacoste and and uh, Angel Cabalas and and all those guys together. That was a totally interesting time back in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Now, why why is it that it's called like concepts now? I mean, uh, what's up with that? I'm not familiar with. Is there a separation, or is it just what people call it? There was a separation with like uh, Burton Richardson, fabulous martial artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Paul Vunak. He he was, but Burton was part of the concepts part, and I did not understand why because concept is loses a lot of of of, of meaning when you call something a concept, right? Because well, that it is kind of conceptual. Yeah, well, it kind of you know the word concepts kind of to me, and it, you know it, it could be different meaning to anyone else, but to me, you know JKD concepts kind of like sounds to me like he's working off of what he was taught, but because he wasn't part of the original Jeet Kune Do fold, that, you know, why why call himself Jeet Kune Do when really, you know, the only people that did Jeet Kune Do were in Bruce's circle? Really. You know what I mean? That, um, that's right. Then it falls down to like uh, uh, one of our past guests, oh, a couple of them, Rocky Twitchell. Which is still mm-hmm. relatively young, and then there's uh, uh, Felix uh, Macias yeah. from uh, Northern yeah. California. His father yeah. studied directly with Bruce Lee. In fact, Felix had met Bruce. He was only five at the time. Yeah. But he actually saw and met Bruce Lee because Bruce came over to his fa- to Senior's house, and Senior's still alive. Yeah, and so but that's considered Jeet Kune Do to me. Yeah, because he's, he's now me, he's third yeah. generation technically, because Bruce was first, Felix was second, and Felix Jr. is third generation. Why yeah. should it be called concepts? I mean, how, like, for, for example, for Taekwondo, how many first generations are really still alive? A handful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not over if here. Not, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, the you know, the Jude Reed that actually brought it to the United States. He's still alive. He's gotta be like hundred and ten. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know. Uh, I'm still doing some push ups. <laughs> right. Now, does does Felix Macias does he call his uh, academy like Jeet Kune Do or Jeet Kune Do concepts? No, he calls it Jeet Kune Do. In fact, I think he calls it the original uh, Jeet Kune Do because it's the Oakland school where James Jim Lee and uh, every once in a while Bruce would come by. Yeah, and well, as and, he and, should call it Jeet Kune Do. And you know, with with uh, Guru Bert, um, I'm I'm guessing that I'm just guessing, and you know. I haven't talked to Bert in ages. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll talk to Grandmaster Chris Petrilli because they they actually used to study together and room together. They went through the they went through hell and half of Georgia together, um, which is how I got to meet Burton. But um, um, I'm just guessing that rather than saying I'm Jeet Kune Do because he wasn't part of that that inner core, that he's going to work off of. Jeet Kundo concepts as a base, but bring in his other stuff as well, because he's gone all over the world. He studied African stick fighting. He's been all over to study stuff and and apply it to his personal method of martial arts and to bring that out to his students. So I think that's why he's calling it concepts, I guess. But for someone to assume that you're studying concepts, you know, right off the bat, I mean, it's kind of like, did he even know your lineage? <laughs> no, he Before had no he idea who I studied with. That I was studying with Ted. That I was studying with Mark. You know, Mark or Ted was third generation. Mark was fourth. That would make me fifth generation, and sometimes uh, fourth generation when I studied with Ted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, go but figure. I think he may. That might be a good point because Burton did add a lot of stuff that may not have been part of the JKD curriculum. Hmm. Yeah, he's like, not only did he study the, you know, Inosanto's uh, blend of Silat, he he went all over the world and specialized in, you know, specific methods of, like, Silat, um, even Hawaiian martial arts, African martial arts, all over Africa. And, you know, and it shows in his movement, you know, unpredictable, but still, you know, unpredictable movement, you know, fluid sharp you really you know it's really hard to figure out where he's going to hit you next but down to the core he's still using jkd you know as his base so i think that's kind of where he's working from i'm just guessing and guru bird if you're listening correct me if i'm wrong but (laughs) anyhow (laughs) so yeah so yeah that's that's one of my pet peeves too is uh i bet bruce would be turning over in his grave with the infighting Especially in Jeet Kune Do. I mean, oh my gosh, he'd be turning over in his grave. Yeah, Man. you know, I have not seen it uh, in any other martial art like it is in Jeet Kune Do. And I know I'm wrong, but I've just never seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen some in fighting in your original styles of Bukoku Khan, but um, probably not to the degree. It's it's not really in fighting because it's like it's a small enough style to where um, everyone kind of knows where everybody, like, you know, the Seattle region back then used to know how the the over-the-water region used to move, right, in comparison to, like, the Canada region, right? And it wasn't that we had anything wrong with that because, really, there was, there was only really one person that imported everything to us, and that was Soke Hill, and he got it from the horse's mouth. 
So everyone that came down down the line from Soke Hill, you know, did have a part of Soke Hill in in their in their training. We were um, I was considered like third uh, generation to Soke Hill, um, fourth generation to to, uh, to Soke Yoichi Nakachi. Um, so really, the information didn't fall very far from the tree, right? Um, right. But um, but again, like I said earlier, it w- it was based on um, Sensei Robert Long that allowed us to to express ourselves a bit, but not change the form. He had a great way of doing that, and therefore our katas were the same than everybody else's, but just had just enough of that subtle difference to where you're like, what? That well, that's that's pinion five, and that's correct. But wow, that was cool. How'd you do that? You know what I mean? Um, but no, there there really wasn't any infighting. There there have there been misunderstandings that got cleared up? Yeah, but there wasn't any fighting, so to speak. Not like JKD. <laughs> Not like within like karate or anything like that. It's uh, I you know I'd, I'd like to say that we were kind of lucky about that <laughs> about that in Butokukan. <laughs> Very. Yeah. All right, so some more pet peeves. I've got a, I've got another few here. Um, <laughs> this drives this used to drive me up the wall. It still does. I hate it when people wear regular clothing under their gi. You know, like untucked polo shirts where you can see the collar sticking up over the lapel on your gi. Oh, <laughs> oh God! Oh. It just looks so stupid. Like you know the. <laughs> I, I was in class the other day, and, and uh, one of my one of my kids was uh, wearing their new gi, and uh, he wore a striped polo shirt. And I didn't know until he started doing jumping jacks, and then his collar started pooching out from it. And that's another thing about gis. When they're lightweight gis, and if the parents or the kids forget to tie the ties, the the top starts coming undone, right? And because they're lightweight gis, the, the lapels will pooch out a little bit. So not only did I see the collar coming up over the top of his lapel, I saw the front of this kid's shirt. It was white and green. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, go go fix your uniform. And he comes back and uh, bows back in, and uh, then it shows again. And I'm like, come here, buddy. And I had to tie it <laughs> and tuck his uh, tuck his collar underneath. I'm like, wear a T-shirt next time under there you know or a tank top you know because the 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 rule that i thought i had with uniforms is if you're a if you're a guy you can wear a t-shirt or a tank top okay um or if you're an adult and you know and your gi goes all the way across you know from hip to hip then you can wear no shirt underneath it women have to wear a tank top or a t-shirt period Right, so that drives right. me up the wall to see their geese pooch out like that. I, you know, it might be OCD, but it just drives me up the wall. That's one of my pet peeves. Um, oh yeah, on, undershirts are fine. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, if you want a lightweight gee, you don't want to see the guy's chest hair all over the place. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's true. Exactly. That that grosses me out. <laughs> Especially if I got to do grappling. It's kind of like, dude, yeah. wear a shirt. I've got, I've got your chest hair in my fingernails. That's gross, dude. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> I almost puked there. Um, ugh. Anyhow, <laughs> moving on. Um, I've got, I've got another one. 
what irks me, one of my other pet peeves is people that assume that just because they paid tuition that you owe them a service and treat you like wait staff when you don't teach yeah. exactly what they want. And you know what I got to say to that? I got to say, hey, you want those master skills? Then pay my private instruction fee and be prepared to work your butt off and no complaining, no if, buts, or what's. And, uh, yeah, I've only had a few people come through um, and treat me like that and quit because I would have nothing to do with it. I I threw up my hands and say, talk to the hand. Yeah, I am not your lackey. And I am not your yeah. I'm not your tambourine monkey. I am not your slave. You don't I don't owe you anything. <laughs> oh. That's right. You know from past experience. You you and you and I yeah. have discussed this. You stopped me because somebody was gonna get angry and you're you're paying me to abuse you. You're paying me to give you my information. Yeah. You can't make demands. <laughs> I don't care what degree belt you are. You can't make demands on me. And you don't want a, another one that just came up when a belt is mistied. Oh, God, I hate that. That drives me up the wall. What, it, it may be in a knot. It may be where the it, it's actually 90 degrees, where the, the, the knot is actually 90 degrees off. Yeah, yeah, where the, the, the belt tail is like one of the belt tails is facing up. <laughs> Yes, yes, or where it looks like a bow tie, oh. where the belt is size too small. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I hate that. That's why I don't wear my original Butokukan black belt anymore. I mean, it's not that short, but um, but I was going to say, what are you trying to say? You gained a couple pounds. I gained a couple pounds. Yeah, I was. You know, I look at that and I I look at the belt and I go. Oh my God, I was like, but then again, back then I was only like 85 pounds when I got my black belt. I, I was tiny. I look at some of your old pictures when you had really long hair. Uh huh. With a ponytail. And I'm going, wow. There was, there was one in, you were, I think you were Wushu. Yeah. A Wushu yeah. posture. Yeah. And I was going, and God God forgive me for about, for, for, for what I'm about to say. You were kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, my brother. Uh, because I, I was actually doing the cross in front of me, going, "Please forgive me." <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment because it's coming from you. Okay, um, okay. but you know, but, well, back then when I was doing wushu, I was in the best shape of my life. I was a hundred and I was one hundred and twenty pounds, but there was not, not an ounce of fat on me. <laughs> And then right, I but that was when you were back. competing every weekend, and you were yeah. you were doing everything to keep in shape. And then you got your back all jacked up. Yeah, yeah, and they, that was the that was during the seven days a week, six hours a day, of uh, running like five to seven miles a day, lifting weights every other day. Um, that was I was, you know, knee problems. What's that? You know, you know, jumping and doing all sorts of aerials and stuff, and then jacked up my back and. That was it, you know, and luckily, though, when I jacked up my back, it was already during uh, during my proposed end of competition and retiring from competition. But it didn't help that I couldn't do anything really for two years. And I'm like 132 pounds now, but which isn't all that much weight. Right. It's only like, what, 15, 10, 12 pounds or whatever. But it shows. 
<laughs> it shows. And, you know, people go, oh, you're still you're still small, Rusty. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it, I put on that original belt and I go, mm, no, I'm not. But anyway, <laughs> that drives me up the wall, too. But, you know, I, I, I've I looked at pictures of um, old style karate from like, um, you know, late 1800s, early 1920s and stuff like that. And the belts were small. They were because they were meant to just hold the jacket together. Um, they were meant to, to look like uh, Kaku Obi. And uh, Kaku Obi are so, usually have short, really short ties, and they have the triangle knot, not the fortune cookie knot that you normally see now, but they have the triangle knot. And uh, they were supposed to be like that. And rather than put the knot in the back like where it's supposed to be, if you're wearing Hakama, they would just leave the knot in front. Um, so that way if they fell down, they wouldn't, you know, hit the knot. Um, and I thought, wow, the belts were really short back then. But nowadays it drives me insane to, <laughs> to see that for some reason. Maybe, is, is it OCD on our part? I, I think that, that's part of it. Because, yeah, you know, I growing don't... up, uh, doing Jeet Kune Do and all, we didn't wear belts or sashes. Mm-hmm. That came later. That that was under Greg Woldridge. Uh, you know, then I find out that, when I ordered my gi, this is when I lost my job about four and a half years ago. I bought the Masters uh, Hall of Fame gi. Mm-hmm. Actually, I bought two of them, not knowing I was going to be out of work in a month. Oh, and they're about yeah, they're about two hundred, you know, a hundred and a quarter piece. They were they were about two two fifty for both of them, and bought one for Brandon, bought one for me. And I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a I've always worn a size five gi. Well, mm-hmm. he also sent me a size five belt. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and it did. It was actually smaller than a bow tie. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's 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 me. I used to wear a size three belt. I wear a size five. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sucks, but anyway. Um, yeah, yeah that's so, what happens when you get older, like us. Yeah, and I think it is probably OCD, older OCD. With us, that's why. But the but the tying the belt thing definitely. It even down to like, um, you know, if if there's a um, if there's a part that's turned under, so you've got like an extra curve. And you know, if your belt looks like a Mobius strip, then it drives me insane. You know, I like to see. <laughs> any any kids out there know what a Mobius strip is? If not, I'll post a link to what those are, and you'll understand what I mean. Anyway. Um, the, the I'm surprised. I, it, I, it'll piss me off if schools don't teach that anymore in science class. The Mobius strip. I used to have fun with those, but um, um, but you know, I like seeing a belt on anyone that is clean all the way around. Unless you know, unless you wear the cross in the back. If you wear the cross in the back, that's fine. But clean all the way around. No turns. You know, nice knot and and belt tails even. It 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 puts me into OCD panic when one is up and one is down. <laughs> right, right, true. <laughs> so, but that's that's yeah, that's just one of our pet peeves there, folks. So call it OCD, whatever. But <laughs> now, um, before we get into some more of our own pet peeves, I want to call to attention um, a website, a really great website by Karate by Jesse. It's karatebyjesse.com. Notice I said karate. 
<laughs> that was one of my pet peeves. Karate by Jesse, J-E-S-S-E dot com. And it's a great website um, with a great blog and information on marketing and even drills um, and stuff like that that you can use in your own dojos. But Karate by Jesse has this great blog post about pet peeves that he has with martial artists, okay? And I'm just going to go over a few of them. Number one, according to KarateByJesse.com, senseis who believe their own hype. They once began as humble students, although they didn't necessarily have talent, quote-unquote. Although they... They, oh, and sorry, let me back up. Although they they didn't necessarily have talent, they still worked hard, trained every day, and stayed passionately humble. Then, poof, all gone, all gone. Today they have their own dojos, huge organizations, and loads of students. But what once was a true feeling of humbleness and gratitude has shifted to narciss- narcissistic worshiping of their own ego. They post big images of themselves with made-up quotes on social media. <laughs> I see that a lot. They print, oh, they print T-shirts with images of themselves. They build a cult around their own hype. And the saddest part, they'll never realize it. On the outside, they appear successful. But inside, the fetishism for their own legend has strangled their karate spirit out cold. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, you know, I agree with that. I've I've actually seen people that Photoshop their their self in with celebrities like Chuck Norris. No way, like that. really. And you, oh, it's 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 rather obvious because they're all the same posture in all their pictures. They're the same <laughs> oh. gee, same smile, same uh, how you cheat the camera, maybe one way to the left or to the right, same uh-huh. exact thing, and they Photoshop oh, wow. themselves in. Mm. I'll never say anything, but it's rather obvious. And enough people are calling them out where I don't have to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> because they've you know, got ego. Now, we, there was somebody yeah. who came to the Masters a few years ago. I think this actually the, the same year you were inducted. And he brought a book of him pictured with all these guys, hoping they were going to be there and sign, and, and sign all his pictures so he could put them up at his dojo because his ego is enormous oh wow you know and i oh that can be just another show you know egos in the martial arts you know <laughs> we've got ideas for next year's shows <laughs> or an yes. upcoming show. egos in the martial arts yeah you know it's like you know it, how people forget where their beginnings were you know is is just amazing it's it just I just don't I just don't understand. And like I've had people come up to me and say, you know, like if I talk to them like a normal person, they'll say, "You have no idea who I am, do you?" Well, no, I don't. <laughs> and even if I did, why would I have to change how I treat you? You know, I mean, I'm treating you with respect. I I don't think I I should have to balance scrape. You know, now there's, 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 um, now, okay, I've got to clear this up with the listeners because I don't want listeners to get the wrong idea. If, you know, there's a martial artist out there that is an epitome of humility, respect, is very skilled and is proliferating the art, you bet I will be very respectful, very respectful, very, 
very humble in their presence, um, not quite scraping, not quite kissing ass, if that's what people are thinking. Um, no, because I know that any true master will not allow anyone to kiss their ass. That's the thing. That's the difference, I think. Wouldn't you agree, Bob? You know, that's very true. Uh, and I learned this a couple of years ago, you know, as Sifu and Master and Grandmaster, and people expect it sometimes, but the difference is they're not my master. They're not my grandmaster. I will always treat them with respect. You treat me with respect. You've got my respect. But then there's people like Bill Riyazaki, who's been around for 60 years in the arts, or mm-hmm. Bill Wallace, and and you pay the respect that, they're de- that they deserve. Exactly. Yes, and when these people go to me and go, it's Bill. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> you know, not. Well, Bill Wallace was on our show and said, you don't call me Sensei, you don't call me Master, it's Bill. I went, yeah. holy crap. <laughs> we were all, now, we were both like, about um... the epitome of humility, though. Mm-hmm. Talk about it? No, no, talk about being oh, yeah. uh, the epitome of humility is, is uh, Bill Riyazaki and Bill Wallace. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, no, there's no, um, there's no expectation from either one of them. Um, there's no uh, elitism. There's no, you know, and, and they dress like anybody else, you know. They, they don't have to wear, like, $800 silk suits and silk shirts and stuff like that to, to, to be considered successful because it speaks in their art. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, any true master will not allow anyone to, to scrape and, and you know, be a beggar in their presence. I mean, wh- why? You know, why? You know, why? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Now, this kind of goes into, this kind of goes into number two by Karate by Jesse. Number two is people who believe in ranks. And ranks is in quotes. Now, Karate by Jesse says, the idea of belts and ranks in karate sounds awesome, <laughs> just like communism, flying cars, and jetpacks once did. <laughs> Until you realize that nobody has a flying car, jetpacks have only fuel for 30 seconds of flight, and communism, well, let's just not go there. Nonetheless, belts, ranks, Diplomas and credentials are a perfect marketing tool. Why? Because they work. They really do. People are gullible. The widespread notion amongst the general population is that karate degrees are standardized worldwide like academic degrees, like masters and PhDs. That's the reason why McDojos thrive. Um, Now... (laughs) You think we should clear that up for the listeners there? <laughs> Let's clear that up. Um, yes, folks, I'm not. Uh, we're not saying that believing in ranks is wrong. You have to have ranks in certain arts, like karate. They're grades, you know, just like um, just like Q grades, Don grades, or Gup grades. I think they're called Gup in, ta- in Taekwondo. I don't remember, um, but they're just placeholders are like okay here's a placeholder you're a blue placeholder this means you should know this this and this and this and this and this and this okay oh you're a brown belt that means you should already know this and this and this and this it's a placeholder that nothing more it's like saying fifth grade you know sixth grade 
junior high, ninth grade, tenth grade, that kind of thing. That's all it is. You have to have grades. However, um, the the gullible people that believe that, oh my gosh, you're a black belt, you must be a master because of the mistaken belief that black belt grades are standardized worldwide. worldwide. That's what is irking Karate by Jesse. That's what irks Jesse is people that believe in that, that hype, so to speak. <laughs> you have anything to say about the rank hype there, Bob? A huge, huge thing with me. People think that, that the, well, not all, but a lot of individuals will think that their training stops at first time. Yeah. That's where yeah. the fun begins. That's when you exactly. start learning. You're, you, you've mastered the basics. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and yeah, it's... and then you start playing and start having some some real fun. And most arts, or a lot of arts, are at that point. You may be, you may have mastered the art. Yeah. But at that point, it's just time in. And a lot of uh, school, a lot of arts may go one year per degree. Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Master Craig Carter, you have to keep absolutely everything that you've learned up to that point and do it again and add some stuff. And, and every year you get a test for a new, for a, for a, uh, for a new Don rank. Mm-hmm. But some of them like master Don Barrett is every five years. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of styles. I think for uh Batoka Khan, it was like three years up until fourth. And then fourth, it's like five to nine years um but even then it those are only suggested it's based on your skill and your time in and what you're doing for the art i mean there are people that have been around forever that are only six don you know seventh and eighth that's rare in Batoku. that's rare i think there's right. only like right. like one of each uh, no wait i think there's like two people that are city don um maybe two or three that are hachi don and uh then there's soke hill you know who is you know uh judon but that's that's about it i mean there there isn't you know 257th dons in 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 Batokukan because it's it's all about the quality not the quantity of people in the udansha and um and i'm all for it you know i'm only a second degree because i because i you know bowed out of uh teaching and being active in it back in 1994 I should be a fifth Don by now, but that's not the case. And I really don't care. You know, if I test, I test. If I don't, I don't. You know, I I still, in fact, I just recently got back to doing Botokukan Karate with Sensei Tyrone Asti. Um, I've been going on Monday nights. And it's a it's a whole new ball game, bro. Because uh, you know, since then, Soke Hill had standardized all the kata. It's it's completely different than what I learned. So I have to unlearn everything to learn those katas, oh, wow. everything. I'm back to you, white belt, basically. Really? Oh, okay. And you don't know anything that, that, that in your head, right, right. Even yeah. though you, you still hold that second rank. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, some some individuals like Master Craig Carter, good friend, mm-hmm. his thing is giving back as well to the community. You have right. to do certain things for your next rank. My my fifth down was uh, I had to write and get an article p- 
published in a magazine before I was mm-hmm. even considered. Didn't matter how good I was. Oh wow. Interesting. And I, and I did that. Uh, I forget what issue it was. It was, uh, oh, God, I can't remember. It was like Ultimate Warrior or Ultimate Fighter. Some magazine threw in Kung Fu. They they published it. It took like six months to get it published. It was published in 02. Uh, It was about be be true to your, a lot of the stuff we're talking about, be true to your school, be true to your art, be true to yourself. Yeah. And right I, I had written I had written it after uh, a martial arts school old school confrontation mm-hmm. where a friend of mine went over to call a guy out for for saying stuff out of school for saying inappropriate things about him and mm-hmm. there were a bunch of us there Billy Burke Jacob Bressler Felix Valencia me and his students were a little freaked out. We weren't there to take him to you know to take over the school. We were there to make sure this instructor didn't get his didn't get his head handed to him because it was it was it was somebody that that would have ripped his head off. Oh. We were there more for protection than anything else. Mm-hmm. And wow, and we're, we're and, and this is where I had, I had an ego back then, not really a big ego, but this one kid. And it was Friday night. That was his stick class, and we had. Uh, Dose Paris uh, from uh, 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 Billy Burke studied under Kikakinete. Uh-huh. We had Felix Valencia that was uh, uh, under, uh, oh, my God. I can't remember. He's, he's long past by now. And uh, we had me that was Serrata. Mm-hmm. And this kid was walking ar- around with a stick. He was walking in and out of the dojo. And I looked at Felix and I go, does he know who we are? <laughs> I go, did I use what you said? <laughs> yeah. You don't know who I am, do you? Yeah, I, yeah. those are the people that I want to backhand now. <laughs> right. But, in, but, because, but, you know, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> because we had some true screamadors there. Not yeah. saying I was one of them, but we had Felix Valencia that, yeah. that was, you know, I wanted to say Renee Latosa. Oh. And he wasn't under he wasn't under Guru Rene. Uh, he was under somebody who was teaching actually Dan and Santo and Larry Hartzell. Mm-hmm. He was a little guy. I I learned a little bit from him in in Reno, and he actually he was one of these young Filipinos that passed away at a very very young age. Mm-hmm. And I cannot for the life of me remember his name. Oh, huh. I can't either, but <laughs> I don't even, I'm like trying to do lineage in my head. Nope, don't remember. But but yeah, it's uh yeah. Edgar Sulite. Oh, okay, that's right, Edgar. You're Edgar. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and um, but you know, in defense of the boy, the kid, you know, it. I guess it just goes to show that that his instructor didn't make a big hype of oh, you got to balance scrape to these people. As well, you know, be yourself, train your right. ass off, and blah blah blah. And in a way, that's good, you know. And if the, you know, now, you know, now that the kid knows who you guys are, then respect will be given because it's due. Uh, but I'm, I'm just gonna guess that she had no idea. <laughs> no, I, and you know, I do not like the people who balance scrape. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the respect. But call me Bob. 
yeah, get up off your knees for God's sake. Yeah, you know? I mean, exactly. it's, it's one it's one thing to do it for ceremony, right? Like with my little kids, we end class with the seiza. We do seiza nire, right? Oh, yeah, right. I know it's not kung fu, but we do it anyway because it's part of my karate background. And we do that right after mokso, and the kids just know it as a um, showing respect that's a bit more, right? You know, and um, it's a way of saying thank you so much for letting us play kung fu today. And they just know it as that. They don't, you know, when another teacher comes on the floor, they don't drop to their knees and start scraping, you know. it's They, they do a regular kung fu salute, and that's it, you know. Like saying, hi, we know who you are, okay. <laughs> that's it. You know, I I, I don't I, I teach respect. I, we want to teach respect to the kids. I'm 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 sure any martial artist would um and different ways of showing respect, but my gosh, you know, um unless you're in Japan where it is the norm to drop to your knees and bow lower, then you know, don't, you know, don't worry about it. Show the respect. Just don't kiss ass because that that's right. that's, that's obvious. Okay. Back to Karate by Jesse. Number three, uh-huh. people who trash talk certain karate. <laughs> There's a karate again. K-U-R-O-T-T-Y, karate. <laughs> no, the the fact that so many people talk trash about traditional karate, like it's too traditional and impractical, is as stunning as the fact that so many people talk trash about modern karate. It's too modern and impractical. (laughs) Folks, it's two sides of the same coin. We just have different sets of goals. But the method remains the same. Train your ass off. Another man's path isn't less worthy than your own path, especially when those paths lead up to the same mountain. At the end of the day, we have two arms, two legs, and one head. Use them as wisely as possible to attain your goals in karate. What you then choose to call your path is less important. Very cool. That was very cool. That was a cool write-up by Jesse. That was cool. Very um, cool. Yeah. And let's see. Oh, here's one. Um, where'd it go? Oh, number four, people who don't deserve su- – people who believe they don't deserve success. This There is a uh, – This is especially obvious when it comes to gradings. People simply don't believe they deserve to succeed. They begin each training by excusing themselves from doing their best. Like, sensei, my toe hurts a little today, so I'll just go half speed. I I know we've heard that, right? And that that just makes things harder than they have to be. Don't fight against yourself. Fight with yourself. Overcome those speed bumps and begin... And stop being friggin' afraid of progress. It baffles me that I constantly need to convince and remind grown-ups that, A, not only are you capable of doing the techniques I teach you, otherwise I wouldn't have shown it to you in the first place, and, B, you owe it to yourself to train like you deserve nothing but the best results. Another good write-up by Jesse there. All right. Um, Number five, people who take themselves too seriously. Jesse says, my DNA is 96% chimpanzee. So is yours. (laughs) In other words, we are basically nothing but monkeys flying through space on an organic spaceship, spinning around a huge ball of fire. Sounds ridiculous, right? Exactly. Still, 
some people insist on acting like their poop doesn't stink. So please, do us all a favor and remind yourself that tomatoes have 7,000 more genes than you the next time you put ketchup on your holier-than-thou sandwich. The tallest rice plant bows the lowest. So there we go. <laughs> that kind of yeah. goes to the yeah. That that's kind of a cool way of putting it. That kind of goes into the senseis that believe in their own hype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, here's here's one number six. An, uh, one of uh, Jesse's pet peeves are people who've never even tried grappling. Okay, I've met a lot of people like that. People who've never even tried grappling and then talk shit about it. People that have never tried like capoeira and then just say, oh, well, you know, I'm never going to be doing all that tumbling junk. That's stupid. I'd kick him in the face. You know, it's like, really, if you've never tried it, don't knock it. Now, Jesse says, you thought karate was strictly about punches and kicks? That's cute. (laughs) You're just forgetting the simple fact that 99% of original karate was based on the press that your opponent is not only trying to beat you senseless with his fist, but also trying to wrestle you down and control you. That was the case hundreds of years ago, and that is still... I'm not saying people should learn ground techniques, grappling escapes, joint locks, throws, takedowns, and and submissions, but at least watch some YouTube clips so you know what to expect. Try an introductory class, okay? Try an introductory class of judo, jiu-jitsu, or even aikido. Or even go to a wrestling workshop. You'll be humbled in about two seconds, Jesse says. Then go back to karate and keep that feeling in mind. So, you know, I used to be there. You know, when I was in my 20s, you know, people would, you know, um, people would talk of traditional jujitsu. It was traditional jujitsu back then. In fact, back then it was just jujitsu. Remember that? There was, right. right. It was like all in the comic books. Learn the deadly art of jujitsu. There was BJJ. There was no like different actions of jujitsu. It was just jujitsu. And um, uh, I met a I met a, another kid that did jujitsu. And uh, you know I had kind of an ego back then. I said, well, you know, to get me to the ground, I mean, you have to get through a broken knee. I'd hit you in the face before you got near me. And he's like, oh, wait a minute, jujitsu still has still has striking and kicking in it. And so, you know, there was I making an assumption on just stuff I've heard because there was no YouTube back then. I just heard that jujitsu is a lot of grappling. Didn't know anything about it, made a wrong assumption, and he probably would have knocked my noggin in and threw me to the floor. <laughs> right. Oh, speaking of which, you know, years ago, it has to be about 25, almost 30 years ago, I mm-hmm. met a judo practitioner uh, from Russia, uh-huh. and she said some American wrestlers came over for a competition. They got their butts kicked because oh, wow. they they were so used to to manipulating manipulating opponents by using their gi against them, and then they mm-hmm. meet these shirtless wrestlers. They oh. had no leverage anymore. They got yeah. their butts kicked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I always tell people, you know, you know, if you want to get into gi grappling, go for it. There's a jujitsu school down the road. Try no gi grappling. Also, be sure to try it. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and a couple years ago, my my daughter was was selling cookies. 
uh, for girls, gals, we had a booth outside of a movie theater, and all of a sudden these these two guys came up uh, just across from us. One of them started doing capoeira, and the other one started doing a little wushu. Oh, cool. And I went over and started talking to him. He says, you know, we wanted to perform a little bit for you guys to draw a crowd over. And these oh, guys awesome. were amazing. Cool. Now, I, I could never do anything like that because my, my back, because I've jacked up my back from the million of kick, kicks I've done and, and the, the trouble and one leg shorter than the other. And I'm still out there, there training, but these guys, it, it was just the most amazing thing. And one of them, they, the guys were so humble, one of them wanted to come train with me. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. And they, they did such a great job. It was, it was just absolutely awesome. That's awesome. That is, you know, I mean, that's that's what the martial art is all about, you know, to, to yeah. be good citizens and go, hey, these people need a crowd. Let's draw a crowd for them, right? So they go out there and they do their thing, and boom, you have a crowd. That's awesome. All right, let's do one more, and then we're going to have to call uh, call it a show. I'm kind of bummed out that no one called in, but that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> That's okay. We're just going to make them all feel guilty for missing out on the party. Anyhow. <laughs> all right. This is one of mine also. This is one of my pet peeves. Okay. People who act like they're the spiritual reincarnation of some ancient Japanese samurai warlord, even when they are clearly not. <laughs> Jesse says, you're not fooling anybody. You eat soggy cereal for breakfast like the rest of us. <laughs> Right on, Jesse. <laughs> Go check out KarateByJesse.com. It's a wonderful website. I check it out at least once a week. Great stuff. But, yeah, you know, I, I love it when people take on the persona of what they're what they're studying, you know. Like, okay, for example, this isn't really martial arts, but this drives me insane because, oh, my God. And I, I'm going to put this up. I'm going to put the video if I can find it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page because it's hilarious. It's about, it's this guy giving a tutorial on how to sound spiritual. <laughs> Modern spiritual, like new age spiritual, right? And and he goes through all of the things you have to do, all of the things you have to wear, and all of the ways that you, how you talk, and move your hands to look like an enlightened being. And that's kind of how these, you know, ancient Japanese samurai warlord wannabes are, right? They'll walk around with hakama. They'll, they'll walk around with the karate kid headband. You know what I mean? And they, yeah. and they walk around like and talk really gruff. Like, like the warlords would have talked, and it's kind of like, dude, you sound ridiculous because you're speaking in English. You know, <laughs> you sound ridiculous, and they—that's how they are every day. Not in the dojo, not anywhere. You know, they probably take in like maybe five weeks of karate or something, and now they're walking around thinking they're like, I don't know, you know, like they're on the set of Shogun or something. So. <laughs> It's like, oh, my gosh. So people, don't walk around thinking that, don't act like somebody you're not. <laughs> if you're a Caucasian, you're a Caucasian. Now, now, like, you, you and I both know someone that trained in Japan, was an uchi deshi, an indoor student in Japan, 
right? Uh, Hanshi Allen right. Woodman, Deshi over there, and actually learn the language and, and stuff like that. That's tough. I mean, in a sense, your mind becomes Japanese, right? He doesn't walk around like, you know, dressing and acting like some samurai, you know? He, he's, he's Alan Woodman. It just so happens that he knows a lot of the stuff that samurai did. <laughs> but he, right. doesn't walk, he doesn't walk around like, you know, with an attitude or anything like that, you know? It's just like, it just boggles my mind how people, how people are like that. Oh, my gosh. Just drives me insane. Anyway, you have one last uh, one last pet peeve there before we have to call it a day. We've got three minutes. No, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Uh, I just want to bring up next week's show, uh, yep. our second anniversary show. It's going to be posted on every single wall for every guest we've ever had that are friends of ours. Very cool. On Facebook. Uh, we're, last year's show was a blast. Yes, we had people yes. calling from all over the country. I think that's most callers we've ever had in one night. I don't know yeah. how you kept up with them all because we I, had like 10 or 15 was, people calling in. Always, at once. I was kind of freaking out going, who's who? Oh, my gosh. Who's where? Where's what? But, yeah, don't miss it, folks. Next Sunday, November 9th, 6 p.m. Pacific time. It's the Dynamic Dojo Radio show second anniversary. Join the party in BYOB. <laughs> so anyway, thanks Bob for being such a great co-host, and I you hope know. your father and I hope your father-in-law turns out okay. I do too. All right. Well, tell tell uh, Jen I said hello. Tell the girls I said hello, and that I send them my very and, and very best listeners. We'll catch you next week at the Dynamic Dojo second anniversary party. See you next week. Bye now.